0: One note, next week uh, will be our charge weekend, so we we won't be having our regular class. Uh, Brother Edson, who's gonna be speaking Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, will be uh, speaking in class time next Sunday. So I wanna invite y'all to be sure to put that on your calendar and try to be here every session. It should be good. Uh, I think it starts at 7.30 on Friday and 7.30 on Saturday, and then uh, it will be uh, all three services on, on Sunday. So be sure and remember that. All right. Uh, as I had mentioned uh, a few weeks ago that once we got back after Christmas, we were going to look at the, what Paul calls the fruit of the, what we call the fruit of the Spirit, what Paul is referring to in Galatians, and we're going to see what he has to say about some of that. And let's just start out by opening our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, and let's read a few verses uh, from Galatians chapter 5. Paul says in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So when we're studying Galatians, Paul is, is, is talking, as we've talked in the past, about our relationship to Christ, right? Our our moving from being under the law and being circumcised to being free in Christ, having liberty in Christ. And we we kind of explain that to say it's not that the law wasn't needed, it's not that the law wasn't our tutor, right? It's not that the law wasn't what's used to show us God, who he is, what's right and wrong, but that we are no longer under it we are under a law of love you might say right we are living in christ as god designed the world to be god designed it to be just like it'll be when we are living with him eternally great love for him he has great love for us we have great love for each other because of that and we live according to what is right we have that desire to live righteous right it's not that we're going to do it We're not perfect in the flesh we can't live perfectly in the flesh there's only one that did that and that was Jesus but we have that desire to live like Christ because of his love for us and so that he's trying to explain to them no it's not about keeping the law anymore yeah these Judaizing teachers are coming in and saying you got to keep the law you got to be circumcised no 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 that was only a foreshadowing that was only to teach us about God he Revealed himself to us through the law. And now we know who he is. We know his character. We know how we are to live as children of God. And so he talked a little bit, we talked a little bit back uh, around the end of November, 1st of December, uh, about the works of the flesh, which he mentioned. He says, But be careful. Even though you are free, even though you have liberty in Christ, we don't want to go back to those things that we were doing before the works of the flesh all those things that caused us to be separated from god right and we listed many of them. he listened now he's going to talk a little about what it means to be free in christ turn over to verse 13 and let's read again what he had to say there in chapter 5 he said for you brethren have been called to liberty only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you, if you bide and devour one another, beware lest you become consumed by one another. Say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let me read that again. Verse 16, say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. It's interesting how he compares these, right? He's saying if you're gonna walk in the spirit, you can't be committing works of the flesh. It just is contrary to each other, right? If you're walking in the spirit, those things go away doesn't mean you're not gonna sin but that means you're not going to be continuing in these things that you were doing before when you were part of the world when you were a citizen of the world not part of the kingdom of heaven so what we're seeing is Paul's contrasting that right he's trying to say to them we're not under the law and you're not doing the works of the flesh anymore now we're walking by the Spirit we have that freedom in Christ in fact verse 21 there he says tell me You who desire, I'm sorry, back, verse 21. He says, get there, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries and the like of which I tell you before and just as I also told you in the times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Interesting verse, right? We had a whole study of that a few weeks ago. He's saying if you're gonna continue in these works of the flesh, you're not gonna inherit that kingdom. You're not gonna be part of the kingdom. And when judgment comes, you're not gonna enter into your rest in the kingdom of God. So he's warning them, he's saying, be careful. He's saying, watch out, don't continue in these. Even though you're free in Christ, you're not gonna inherit the kingdom if you continue in this lust of the flesh. He then writes things about the spirit, all right, which we just read a little bit about, saying they are no longer under the law, particularly the law of Moses, and now, they're going to be producing things which doesn't come from the law. He just listed a few things. That doesn't come from the law. The law doesn't make you produce these things. It's walking in the spirit that does it. It's walking in the love of God and the love of Christ. That is what helps us to produce these things. I mentioned a list there in verses 22 and 23 and we're gonna talk about that a little bit today, okay? First of all, and first probably in, in, in foremost, and foremost, and it should be obvious, right? The first fruit he mentions there is love, agape, that love that seeks only the highest good of others. Not, not ourselves, not a selfish love, but a love for God and a love for each other. That Greek agape meaning the ultimate love, you know, love in the in the Greek was, was in could be told in three different words of, you know, agape, phileo, eros different levels of love and agape was that ultimate one right, that you used to say I love you no matter what, I love you more than myself just like Christ did as he came to earth to give himself up for us, lowered himself a little lower than the angels to give himself up in the flesh interesting concept, right turn over to Romans and let's read what he said to the Christians in Rome about love Romans chapter 5 and you might just put a marker in, uh, in Romans because we'll be coming back to it a few times Romans chapter 5 and let's just see what he says beginning in verse 1 he says therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God and not only that, but all we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. In other words, this is a love that we get from God. When we have faith, when we make that effort to become Christians, when we obey the gospel, his love is poured out into us, and it causes us to love. It causes us to have that love for him and our brethren. Turn over to chapter eight there. Read a few verses from there. Eight chapter, uh, chapter eight, beginning of verse 12 of Romans, he says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. In other words, his love is poured out on us, his love is given to us, and it comes out in our hearts, right? And it engenders a deeper love for him and the brethren. And through that, God is glorified. And in the end, we'll be glorified with him. Interesting concept, right? It's a love that in Ephesians 3 and 4, when we studied, surpasses knowledge. And I know you've heard that phrase many times in your life as Christians. What is, have you ever thought about that really? Surpasses knowledge. It's a love that can't be understood. You know it exists, right? You know that Christ had that kind of love for us and he would die for us. But the world says, that's stupid, silly. Who would do that? I don't understand. makes no sense. It's a great love that we in the flesh, we can experience, but maybe not really understand fully. Perhaps not even fully, maybe until after the judgment, when we're in heaven with him, right? When we're experiencing that great joy and peace that we'll have with him in heaven. And... Turn over to First John real quick and read a few verses there. 1 John, chapter four. And John says, uh, b- verse ten. Right. He's actually, let's start at verse seven. He says, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God." Wait, let me read that again. Everyone who loves is born of God and loves God That's an interesting verse, isn't it? It's almost like those who are not born of God can't really love Interesting verse we can understand that because we understand his love for us, right? But we don't fully grasp it We can't quite get it on our heads can we because well, What's that mean is the world not love can can people that are not Christians not love each other Not as not like what God has for us. not like what God did for us All right? Continuing on there In this the love of God in this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him and this is love not that we love god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins oh see that's what the world doesn't get right they can't understand that we get it we know what he did for us john says this was ultimate love this is that love that surpasses knowledge and then in verse 11 he says beloved if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I mean, you can say a big old amen to that, right? Absolutely, we've experienced that love from Him and through the Spirit, we produce love for each other. Kind of helps you understand that a little bit, right? That love, that surpasses knowledge. Yeah, we, we can't fully grasp that mentally, but perhaps spiritually, in our hearts, we can know it, we can feel it, we can can see it. And when we show that love for each other, when someone's in the hospital and they're pretty sick and worried, and brethren are providing for that family, brethren are visiting that person in the hospital, encouraging, comforting, we get to see that a little bit, don't we? That love that God Interesting concept. The world doesn't understand it. It surpasses knowledge, but that's the fruit that comes from the Spirit. They produce a fruit against which there is no law. We just read that in Galatians 5. There's no law against that. There's no law for that. The law of Moses was needed, but it didn't give us that kind of love. That kind of love comes straight from God. Interesting concept, right? Having examined the works of the flesh in previous sessions, it's now turning his attention to the fruit of the Spirit, where we walk by that Spirit instead of indulging in the flesh and reproduce that in our lives. How do we do that? Well, we said in Romans 5, it's that love of God that's poured into our hearts, which engenders a deeper love for us, of course. And turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1, and let's see what Peter has to say about it. One thing in the new year is i walked out of the house this morning without my bible couldn't believe it so i'm having to go do a little find my place in here in the new one but hopefully that won't happen again all right first peter chapter 1 and verse 22 since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren love one another fervently with a pure heart so peter says again love each other love one another Fervently with a pure heart we are to be loving each other just like Christ loved us Interesting. loving the brethren loving those who are children to God but that might mean a little more than that right loving those who are in the world enough to share the gospel with them. loving those neighbors of ours who might be sick that we may need to go comfort and show who we are who we stand for we're to love one another fervently colossians 3 says love is the tie that binds the garment the christian is to put on it is in first corinthians 16 mentioned as the universal motive for all we do everything we do should be done out of love you said well you mean what do you mean by that well everything you do When you get up in the morning and go to work, you should be doing that out of love. Love for who? Well, of course, your family you're trying to support, right? Love for your co workers. You should be showing them grace, not lording over them or complaining fervently because of something they didn't do. Having patience, compassion, understanding that this job is going to go away eventually, it's only temporary. And these persons that I'm working with have a soul. They need to know God. So there's love in that, right? Love in our schoolwork. We're we're learning something so we can have a good life, so we can have some field where we're going to put our talents to work. God-given talents, right? Things that we know we can do to further the kingdom. I know most of you guys in here are older and perhaps you're still working or you're like like me, you're trying to end it, you're trying to end that career. Maybe you have ended the career. But I hope that was part of your thinking at the beginning, right? That's one thing I try to teach my children. When you're trying to decide what you wanna do, think about how it's gonna work in the kingdom. Think about how you're gonna use that as a ministry. Everything you do as a Christian, a child of God, is going to affect someone, one way or another. And I don't mean you got to go to the office and preach. You'd probably get fired if you did that anyway. But there are things you can do. Person you can be. Right. That shows who Christ is and who you belong to. Interesting concept, right? All that's part of that love. It is. Also, as we read there in chapter five, the love prevents our, love is what prevents our Christian liberty from turning into selfishness, as he mentioned. Not works of the flesh, not doing things for ourselves. You might say, well, I became a Christian because I was afraid I was going to hell. Well, okay, that's a good motivation. But as you grow spiritually, as you grow in your walk, that should be turning over to maturity, to maturity in Christ. Maturity enough that you are now serving Him because of what He did for you. Yes, your sins are forgiven. You're a child of God. But that's not the motivation anymore. It shouldn't be. You should be getting past that. You should be at this point serving Him because of who He is. Yes, sir. It says yeah we're turning our lives over to him. now our mind becomes like him and service becomes natural. It doesn't matter what's going to happen to you. Remember, we're looking for the kingdom, right?'re we're, we're, we're hoping for that judgment day when we're going to be glorified with him, right? We don't have to worry about that anymore. That sins have been taken care of. We now live in him. So good segue into our next fruit of the spirit something that also gets produced through our love for him being children of god and walking in love it's just natural the fruit of the spirit the next fruit of the spirit is joy right turn back to romans chapter 14. let's see what's said there romans chapter 14 and let's just begin in verse 14 he says no, Know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Wow. Therefore do not let your goods be spoken of evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men now this 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 passage here is referring to those who had problems eating meat sacrificed to idols right and Paul's saying it's not about that that's nee that's nothing neither here nor there but if it affects your weaker brother because you're eating something that they don't think you should be eating they don't do it that's part of the law of love through your love for them don't make them stumble we have that we don't, we don't have the situation they have eating meat back sacrificed idols but we can do things today that might make a brother stumble right that's something we need to think about in our walk think about not affecting their joy their growth their peace interesting concept right joy is something that should be produced from the spirit right it's integral to the kingdom of god chapter 15 in romans there let's read beginning in verse 7 he says therefore receive one another not just as just as christ also received us to the glory of god now i say that jesus christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of god to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the gentiles might glorify god for his mercy as it is written for the reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. And him, the Gentiles, shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy is something that you should be receiving through the Spirit. It's something that should be produced in your life. And it's definitely something needed, particularly when you're going through something, right? In the first century, first Thessalonians, Paul talks about them being being joyous in persecution because they were getting persecuted. We don't experience the physical persecution, perhaps. We experience in other ways but he's saying that joy is something that sustains us. Not only that, in 1 Peter, he says it can be described as an inexpressible and as full of glory. Those led by the Spirit, not by the works of the flesh, will produce joy. How's that manifested? Turn over Philippians, and let's see how that's manifested in the life of the Christian. Philippians chapter 4. First of all, verse one, therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast on the Lord beloved. I implore Yodia and I implore Synctice Sink- to be of the same mind to the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say and I will say, rejoice. That should be part of you, integral to you. Serving in the kingdom. You should have tremendous joy. Paul says it. Rejoice in him. Second, I'm not going to read or running out of time, but 1 Corinthians 2. and I mean 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul talks about us being together. The joy we have with one another. That's one of the reasons we come together on Sundays and Wednesdays and other times to serve. Being together hopefully produces joy. It's funny how these things that they were doing in the first century were God-ordained. God knew that we needed this, and that's something he provided. Therefore, when you forsake some of these things, you're probably not going to have as much joy. In fact, you might even say, Ah! I don't have any joy. Oh, I have a drudgery, dread. Why is that? Well, perhaps it's because you're not participating. Perhaps you're not in the Word. Perhaps your prayer life is non existent. Maybe that's something you need to get going. All those things. Not only that, being here with the brethren. I mean, there's times. I can't wait to be here on a Sunday just to be amongst my people, right? Sometimes of the week it can be tough, you know? Things going on in your life. Man, what a... Just two hours on a Sunday together. You get to get away from it all. You know, a lot of people use drugs and alcohol to do that. We get to come here. This is our drugs and alcohol right here. Isn't it? We should be having joy through our walk in the Spirit should be constant and in first Peter 4 he talks about especially when suffering for Christ like I said we don't we don't really experience the physical suffering like Paul did or the Apostles did in the first century or even the Christians in the first century right I don't know anybody here that's getting burned at the stake or has been burned at the stake. I guess you wouldn't be here if you were burned at the stake but we experience persecution in other ways. The world is dying, right? We see it every day in the news. All you got to do is turn on the news on your TV and you see the depravity going on. We need each other. And we need to walk in the Spirit to produce that joy. Perhaps if you're not having that joy, you need to make a resolution. What better day to do that than New Year's Day? I'm going to resolve to walk in the Spirit. And I'm going to do everything that entails because I need some joy in my life. If nothing else. Right? I guarantee you there's some folks in here who are here today and not experiencing the joy in the Spirit. Out of this number of people, I'm pretty sure there's something right? on. Why is it because nobody cares? Is it because you don't like the preacher? Is it because the songs we sing are too slow? Maybe. I know. I'm really preaching the choir. I mean, good you're here on New Year's Day after being up to what? If you're like me, I watched the volume. I couldn't go to sleep for a couple hours after that. I tried, but it was hard. But you're here. So that says something. When you walk in the Spirit, you have joy. It's going to happen. It's just going to be produced, folks. And there's no other way to live. You can fake it. You can stay busy, right, in the world. I've heard people say that. Well, I just work myself to death. So I don't have to think about what happens when I die. Or end times, whatever. You know, I just try to stay busy. There's still going to be times when you're alone with yourself. When you're alone with your spirit. Right? So, walking in love, experiencing joy. It's understandable that those who walk in the Spirit are going to experience this next one, which is peace. Peace. Another fruit of the Spirit is simply peace. Back over there in Romans 8. Let's read a couple of verses from there. In fact, my favorite chapter in Romans, Well, maybe even in the Bible, beginning in verse 1. Romans 8. There is, therefore now, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. He did all this so we could walk in the Spirit and be no longer condemned for it. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on those things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Again, Romans 14, it's an integral part of the kingdom of God. If you're in the kingdom, you're saved, your sins are forgiven, you're serving, you're going to have peace. And it's also a gift from God. We read in Romans 15, that love, that joy, that peace that comes from God, given to us through our faith. So peace in the life of a Christian involves peace with God, Peace with man. Made possible by what Jesus did for us. Not only that, it involves a peace with ourselves. What do you mean by that? Are you at peace? Can you literally say today that you are at peace with yourself? Do you have a lot of worry in your life? Perhaps you have some things, sin, temptation that you're dealing with that you can't seem to shake. Hmm. Maybe that's affecting your peace. When you're walking in the spirit, you're gonna have joy and you're gonna have peace. It comes to that assurance of what God has promised us, what Christ did for us, right? Involves that peace with ourselves and with man. How do we get that? Well, turn back over to Philippians there. Let's read again. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Wait a minute. Say that again. Be anxious for nothing. For nothing. Don't worry, be happy. I think that's a song, right? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. Are you praying daily? Are you in prayer? We have a verse right there that says, "Ask God, ask for supplication. Be thankful in your heart about it, and you're going to have peace." Do you do that? Do you ask God for things in your life and expect it to happen, and being grateful at the same time, or do you just kind of pray, and "Say, I got to have this. God, please help me do this." Oh. That's kinda how it gets to be sometimes, doesn't it? But we're scared. Yeah, don't be anxious is is something that's very much easier said than done. I understand that. Believe me, I'm that way too. But that's part of that peace that we can have in our walk in the spirit. Big contrast, right, between the spirit and the flesh. Those who walk by the spirit experience love, joy, and peace. Those who indulge the works of the flesh Experience hatred, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Three of the things we talked about. Big contrast, right? A life infused with love, joy, and peace comes from the spirit of Almighty God. A life infected by hatred, jealousies, and outbursts of wrath from our fleshly lust does not come from God. It comes from the world. Which would you rather have? Just like Moses told the Israelites i put before you today cursings and blessings. Deuteronomy, read it. Choose blessings. Choose life. And not just eternal life at the judgment, but remember at the end of John, we read it many times, abundant life while here on earth. That's really the only way we can live by God's design. Our liberty in Christ is a walk in the spirit daily with our love for him because of his love for us. And that produces love for each other, joy, and peace. If you're not experiencing those things in your life, it's New Year's Day, resolve to walk in the spirit starting from that. I mean it, why not? In fact, in my mind, I, I kind of, I'm kind of setting that for myself. I'm going to make sure I'm going to have joy in my life. Because I want that to be. And, and I have it. But, you know, there's times when it doesn't feel like it. I'm not so sure. And I know you do good. That. Walking in the Spirit, man. to preach I gotta stop. Happy New Year. Thanks for being here.